1: Are you doing? Thanks for joining us on the show today. Uh, we were actually going to record the show last night, but we had a little uh, emergency that came up. A friend of ours uh, contacted us about, uh, well, he needed some help with a friend getting rid of a demon, pesky demons. So we spent some time on Skype talking with him and giving him some resources to help uh, get this woman free which is pretty interesting, but it killed our airtime to do the radio program, so now we're doing it this morning.
2: And We're not sure we're awake enough to do this. <laughs> I haven't even had my coffee yet. You
1: just need more coffee, honey. That's what you need. So we have kind of an interesting subject to talk about this morning, don't we, honey?
2: Did you want to talk about um, your day yesterday first?
1: Yeah, I can do that a little bit. Um, I had an interesting uh, meeting, a uh, little prayer session, With a mother, yeah, a woman who's a mother of a friend who has um, some kind of neurological degenerative disease that is some kind of palsy and paralyzed muscles in her throat. She can't swallow, so she has a feeding tube, and she can't speak. So this friend contacted me, asked me to come down to her house and pray with her mother, and uh, I spent a couple hours down there yesterday praying for her. It was very interesting because... I felt like she needed some emotional healing in order to affect the physical healing. And I prayed over her for physical healing for about, I don't know, 10 minutes but there was no changes. And after I prayed for physical healing um, we got to talk for quite a while about emotional healing which was really good. I got to basically teach them a lot. But when it came down to praying with her mother for the emotional healing It was really difficult to do because she couldn't speak. She was able to write. So she was writing on a tablet. And I would ask her questions and she would write the answers. I walked her through the usual protocol that I use for emotional healing. Um, The family was aware that she had been holding a lot of anger and unforgiveness towards one of the family members um, for something that had happened. It was a recurring uh, incident. So the best I could, I explained to her what I needed to do, uh, basically to let her, have her let go of the anger and, and forgive this person. And she had a really, it seemed like she was having a hard time doing it, um, because when we would take her through the incident and have her recall an event that caused the anger, feelings of anger to come up, I would ask her to give it to Jesus, and receive his healing, and then we'd go through the event again, and she kept on coming up with anger which is really unusual. I don't think I've ever had that happen before.
2: Usually the anger is gone, but there's some other emotion that comes up that you can heal next, and then something else after that. Right. And eventually get the person free of all those negative emotions from that incident. So it just seemed like she couldn't let go of it.
1: Yeah. It just seemed like it was difficult to assess her because she couldn't talk. But so it was all sort of second hand information from her husband and her daughters. But it seemed like she was having a problem letting go of the anger. We tried for a while and weren't making any progress, so eventually I just quit doing that and we talked about some other stuff. So it was an interesting uh, experience. I certainly learned a few things. And you got to do some teaching. Um,
2: yeah. So that the, was good.
1: The husband and the husband and the two daughters, daughters. were there. And uh, the one daughter has actually started reading my latest book, Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, and she really liked it and had some questions about it, so I got to answer the questions, which was kind of cool.
2: We were going to talk a little bit about unforgiveness and how that relates to physical healing. One of the things I always tell people, because I have my had my own experience with Oh, with a violent crime against me and um, when I was 19 and I was kind of a victim of that you know emotional victim uh, for 20 some years and could not recall that incident without crying and I really tried not to recall it you know I was just stuffing it a lot and you just do that you try to go on and things but uh, you know, I had justifiable hurt from that, but the thing is, it was hurting me. It wasn't hurting, you know, any kind of unforgiveness that I was holding against this person it wasn't hurting him at all. <laughs> you know, he was totally out of my life, and, um, you know, he went to jail and everything, and so I had no contact with him anymore, but... It was hurting my life and hurting, keeping me from moving forward. So, when I finally came to Christ and realized how Jesus forgave everything that I did, and we all do things, we all need forgiveness in some way or another, I just had that sort of aha moment that I have to forgive this person and free myself of this burden that I'm carrying, you know. So it's really as much for yourself as it is for anyone else. You know, if you're living with a family member or you're in contact with a family member who is a repeat offender, let's say they keep doing things that are wrong and you're angry or whatever.
1: So there's this passage in Matthew 18, uh, and it's the parable of the unforgiving servant, where a servant is forgiven a lot of debt that he owes by his master. And then uh, he turns around and refuses to forgive the debt, a very small debt that's owed him. At the end, in verse 32, it says, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Uh, Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? His master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until uh, he should pay all that was due him. Then Jesus said, So my heavenly Father will also do to you each... If from your heart, you do not forgive your brothers his trespasses, and this is a really interesting passage because uh it says that his master uh, turned him over to the torturers. Wow, yeah, so well, and I think that's what
2: happens is you you actually kind of are tormented by the thing then for the rest of your life until you forgive
0: yeah
2: um but the thing is, uh everybody is messed up in some way, you know we've all done things. <laughs> Whether it's gossip or, you know, speaking unkindly to people or about people, you know, all the way to the really, what we think of as really horrible sins, you know, rape and and murder and things like that. So we all need forgiveness, and therefore...
1: Are you saying it's easy to minimize the importance of the way we sit against other people? Yeah, I mean, I
2: think we do. We (laughs) have to realize that we've we've gotten forgiveness um, by others, and and definitely by Jesus in our lives. And it's important for us to extend that to other people. I mean, and I know sometimes it's, you can't do it right away. It's very hard to let go of something if it's fresh. Uh, but the, the sooner you do, the better you're gonna feel. and 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 you will not give the enemy that foothold to come in and afflict you with some sort of physical thing. Right. You know, just try to keep in mind that the, the person who is sinning against you is messed up, and Jesus forgives them, so kind of like, who are you to, to keep, continue to hold that against them when he is not?
1: Right. I think it is helpful, uh, at least for me to remember that the reason why people do things against us is because they're wounded and messed up, and they've been abused and they've been neglected, so they're reacting out of their own, their own hurt and woundedness, mm-hmm. And if nothing else, that's a reason to be a little more compassionate towards people. So you got into an interesting book yesterday.
2: Yeah. Um, as we mentioned probably before, I'm going through this coaching program online, and um, this book was recommended. I just started reading it. Um,
1: we, we made reference in a previous podcast to something called The Inner Mean Girl.
2: Yeah, and this book is about reforming your inner mean girl. So the, the the idea is that we all have this critical voice inside of us that is saying, you know, you're not good enough, you're ugly, you're fat, you're not as good as so-and-so, nobody, whatever. Nobody likes you. Nobody
1: likes you. Nobody cares about you.
2: You'll never get married. You'll, you'll never find f- a man. You'll, you're phony. Yeah. So... We know, we know we have these voices, and of course in the Christian community we think of this as the voice of the enemy, and it is. And it is. <laughs> but some people, you know, this is sort of, I would say along the New Age line, you know, they just think of it as your, an inner voice inside you that you can, um, you can kind of transform and it really as we, as we were reading this book i was reading it aloud at dinner time to my husband and
0: let me make
1: a, a disclaimer first so the thing that you have to understand is we as believers do not have um, a monopoly or a corner on the market for wisdom we we really don't we would like to think that we do non-christians have actually figured out some stuff That we have yet to figure out and this book is a really really good example of how non-christians can are able to discern the truth of a situation and are able to pretty accurately assess what's going on and then even prescribe a treatment that is essentially what really talented Christian counselors are doing.
2: Yeah, it's kind of the equivalent, it's the secular equivalent to the the Kingdom. kingdom.
1: (laughs) What you have to do when you read books like this is transpose some words. So they use words like "your inner wisdom," and whenever you read "inner wisdom," you have to think they're talking about your spirit. Mm-hmm. And when they talk about you know the inner mean girl, they're essentially talking about you know uh, either a demon or some other voice. So the language of the book uh, needs a little bit of translation, but the concepts are amazing. So you want to start reading
2: the genesis of your inner mean girl. As a woman, you certainly weren't born programmed to compare yourself, judge yourself and feel guilty or inferior, right? It's not like when you were a baby, you laid around in your bassinet comparing your thighs to the babies next to you, or as a toddler were concerned that your naps were a waste of time. You were not born hardwired to be hard on yourself. You were born pre-programmed to love yourself. But along the way, some wires got crossed, your inner mean girl got formed, and you got trapped in a cycle of thoughts, habits, and patterns that has been almost impossible to work yourself out of until now. Your inner mean girl is part of the human experience, and she is also a part of you. So you can't kill her off, even if you tried. And we don't want you to try and run from her either. Uh, We want you to run straight toward her and love her because... As it turns out, your inner mean girl doesn't mean to hurt you. She actually wants to protect you.
1: So, should we take a break here? Yeah, go for All it. Right. So, in this little uh, beginning, opening paragraph or two, they discuss the idea that the inner mean girl is a, an essential part of you, that she was formed at an early age, and she's there to help protect you.
2: So, this sounds like. An altar. Yeah.
1: So in inner healing, we know that when people suffer emotional trauma, usually when they're young, they form alters and fragments. Alters are actually alternate personalities. And we know that the reason why alters exist is to protect the core of the personality. So these folks are actually right on track with the essential teachings of inner healing
2: right you develop a wounded child inside you
1: right
2: and it, and it's a protective mechanism right. it's not like some some disease or you know yes you read correctly everything your inner mean girl does all the toxic habits of comparison judgment driving you to perfectionism overgiving overdoing underexpressing and procrastinating in her mind serves one mission protecting you She actually loves you so much that she has devoted her life to keeping you safe and keeping you far away from any experience that could possibly cause pain or suffering. So then how is it that if she is so committed to keeping you from pain, she is also the one who fills your head with thoughts that hurt you, compelling you into actions that sabotage and sacrifice you? Well, at some point in your life, a younger you created your inner mean girl because you needed protection. You had an experience when someone hurt you, in which you felt unsafe or unloved, or in which things around you felt out of control. Ah, When your excitement, self-expression, love, and innocence were met with fear, criticism, anger, guilt, shame, or blame from a teacher, a parent, a neighbor, or anyone you counted on for recognition, love, or a sense of safety.
1: Yeah, that's the formation of an altar. Um, emotional trauma due to stress, anxiety, fear, rejection, worry, whatever, um, you your soul becomes fractured, fragmented, or however you want to describe it, and then an altar is formed that takes the emotional trauma and bears it to protect the core of the personality, which is pr- pretty much exactly what they're saying.
2: Yeah. The younger you decided to never have that experience or those feelings again, So with all the emotional maturity you were able to muster at the time, which was not much, you created your inner mean girl and her self-bullying ways. I mean, we should say there's the inner mean guy as well. I mean, men have this too. It's not just really. But this book, you know, was written for women. Primarily for women. Your inner mean girl made it her job to protect you from emotions and experiences you didn't want to feel. And to do her job well, just like any bully... She used the most effective tool she could find to motivate you, fear. For years, your inner mean girl has been using fear to motivate you in ways that you may be aware of and in many ways you've been oblivious to because for a time, these toxic habits and thoughts did indeed protect you. She and you learned that employing these toxic habits like overworking, overgiving, over worrying, uh, being overly busy, that's me. Is that you? I'm raising my hand here. Uh, we're actually effective. Maybe the payoff, payoff of all that inner mean girl fear has been you being more productive, personable, outwardly successful, accepted, and most of all, safe and loved. She helped you feel a sense of belonging, even if it is to a tribe that no longer serves you. Yeah, I mean that's true. You start working in your family, you know, you try try to please people. You gain acceptance. And so you gain some acceptance there, but you're you're getting into that then this
1: people pleasing behavior.
2: Codependency, you know, kind yes. of thing. So there's lots of ways that it can affect. So do you want more or You have you? to
1: keep going because I wanna read the testimonies from the popular well known people? Oh, that's
2: actually before this, so I can go back oh, is to it? that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's, here's something. With decades of combined coaching, teaching, and mentorship experience, and after suffering and recovering from this negative thinking affliction and self-sabotage syndrome ourselves, we've witnessed firsthand that self-bullying has nothing to do with how successful, smart, or beautiful a woman appears. In fact, some of the most outwardly successful or physically beautiful women we know, women who supposedly have it all, have inner mean girls that drive them to commit acts of abuse against themselves. Just listen and look at what women, who many of us look up to, are so courageously and vulnerably, vulnerably sharing about their own inner mean girls. Now, I no longer look up, up to Oprah, but...
1: Um, you did at one point. I
2: did at one point.
1: And she's a she's
2: a, I mean, very she's, successful person. She is, yeah. I mean, you got to give her that, so oprah admitted to the world that her focus on her weight has, has robbed her of joy i'm mad at myself i'm embarrassed i can't believe that after all these years all the things i know how to do i'm still talking about my weight That's so
1: there the you main go. Main girl yeah Beating her up
2: then you got Arianna huffington founder of the huffington post she woke up in a pool of her own blood with a broken cheekbone and injured eye when she collapsed from overwork and exhaustion, and admitted, they found that there was nothing medically wrong with me, but just about everything wrong with the way I was living my life. So, uh, an overworker, I guess. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, best-selling author of Eat, Pray, Love, declared, The real battle for me was my own self-abuse, to learn how to stop and drop the knife I was holding to my own throat. I was never good enough. So, yeah, we all have this. Yeah. And, you know, you see lots of people, you think they have it all. You know, money and fame and Hollywood, you know, they're stars or whatever, and they're, they're abusing themselves.
1: Yeah. Uh, they Jim, Jim Carrey is a good example. I mean, he's one of the most highly paid actors in Hollywood, and yet suffers from horrible, uh, you know, bouts of depression, and I'm sure he has a lot of, you know, the inner mean guy in his life beating him up over mm-hmm. all the things that, you know, from his past right so it's a really common issue you know do, did you want to read some of the um, actual attributes of the inner mean girl from the ch- table of contents because I think oh yeah really yeah, yeah,
2: the different types of um... well I took a little quiz maybe we should put the quiz up
1: <laughs> is there an online yeah or there's an online
2: take? quiz to kind of flesh out and discover what type of inner mean girl you have
1: or intermean guy.
2: Or intermean guy.
1: I'll put the link to the test in the notes uh, below the podcast.
2: It's not far.
1: That's okay. I'm just... This gives me time to look at you because you're beautiful.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a list of... And now these are the chapter names, the different types of mean girls. And and of course they're going to prescribe how to... Reform? Reform your inner mean girl.
1: So they're going to reform school,
2: basically. Yeah. Okay, so reveal your type of inner mean girl. The Achievement Junkie. The Comparison Queen. The Doing Addict. You got her. That was mine. The Doing Addict, who's just busy all the time. The Drama Queen. The Fixer and Rescuer. The Good Girl. The Head Tripper. The Invincible Superwoman. The Martyr a.k.a. the spiritual guru, starving artist, or super activist.
1: That would be interesting.
2: The overly optimistic partying cheerleader.
1: How about (laughs) that? That's me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You are kind of overly optimistic. Um, The perfectionist. Well, I probably have a little bit of that to confess to. The rejection queen and the worry wart.
1: Right, so they, I would imagine, any chapter go through a list of behaviors that this inner mean girl or inner mean guy, you know, puts on you and, and how it is formed and then how you reform Right. that person. Uh, then it's
2: like uh, step two is expose your inner mean girl's tricks and triggers. Triggers are.
1: Triggers. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? You know,
2: they use that same word that we use in, in the. Um, yeah.
1: What we try to do in inner healing is we're actually trying to trigger the altar to come up or the inner mean girl or inner or guy. Or the
0: wounded child, you know, the and wound, there's lots of words. You
1: yeah, the, can the, the terminology varies depending on what culture you're speaking in. But what you try to do with, um, at least what I've had success with, with uh, emotional healing is, you bring up events that trigger the inner mean girl the, or the altar child the to, to come up. Mm-hmm. They feel the emotions and temporarily that personality their their persona takes over your body and your mind and your soul and they're the one that's talking so you talk to them and uh, there are a lot of different ways you can go one of the things that Steve Harmon found when he was doing this with a lot of people who have dissociative identity disorder is um, he was asking Jesus you know how do I get this um, essentially how do I reform their inner mean girl and Jesus said love them and he found that loving just doing acts of love for these um, altars and you know soul fragments is the best way to get them to mature and grow up and to reform them. Really, is love. Um, he's essentially doing discipleship,
2: mm-hmm.
1: teaching them about God, teaching them about Jesus, teach, teaching them the truth and replacing the lies. Because of the, most of these um, wounded soul fragments and altars and children have been terribly deceived you know, by demonic lies. And so they don't know the truth. So part of the process of reformation is loving them. The other part is teaching them the truth.
2: We should mention, too, we have a friend who calls it dissociative identity gift, right? Yes,
1: yes. Because
2: Uh, because it is a protective mechanism. And sometimes it's the only reason that the person is still alive. Yeah. Uh, That they have been able to fragment and partition off. The wounds um, into other personalities. So, yeah, um, you know, we don't want to stigmatize or anything like that. It's we believe it's something that God
1: gave us. And all of us, I'll go out on a limb and say that I believe every single person walking the face of the earth has some degree of either fragmentation, right, or outright alters in right. their soul. I think it's really hard to go through life. And not develop these wounded parts of your soul that need to be healed. I think everybody has them. Yeah,
2: it's to one degree or another. I can't
1: imagine anyone having such an awesome, beautiful, blessed life that they never run into any kind of emotional trauma that Mm -hmm. devastates them.
2: Exactly. And then there's uh, step three, discover what motivates your inner mean girl. So I'm sure if you can figure that out, that can help in the process. And then... uh, Inspired action, bring your inner mean girl to life, make your inner mean girl expose. And part two is meet your inner wisdom. So, this is where you get to listen to, we believe, God's wisdom, the Holy Spirit, the Holy spirit and turn up the volume on your inner wisdom. So, make that uh, override uh, the critical.
1: Che- stuff. Choosing to walk in the spirit instead of walking, you know, from the flesh. And believing the, soul. the truth.
2: And, and not believing the lies. Um, make your inner wisdom your most trusted ally. Then part three: make shift happen.
1: Make shift happen. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> uh, give up self bullying for good. Assign your inner mean girl her new job. So I guess that's the idea: is you're going to kind of shift her into a new role. Because um, she's going to remain there and then there's achievement junkie comparison queen. Okay, those are the lists. That's the list of people right sounds interesting, and I think it'll help me because I I am one of these people who has this in Inner voice that is telling me to just work 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 work, and I have to-do lists I have little post-it notes and pieces of paper with lists all over the place <laughs> and and I keep adding to them, and I don't... It, it's like a never-ending.
1: you are got your little hamster wheel going, don't you? Yeah. You need to get off that hamster wheel.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, I still have some of the... Crit- I have the perfectionist stuff going on sometimes. I try... I'm, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I think when I was younger, I was super perfectionistic. And then when I had my son, you know, you, I kind of had to let go of some of that. You can't... You just don't have the energy and... You know, when you have a child that doesn't sleep through the night for a year, you're kind of sleep deprived, and perfectionism is not like at the top of your list anymore. <laughs> Getting so. some sleep is. So I gave up some of that.
1: Well, we just wanted to share some insights from this book. Uh, we'll post a link to the book. Um, just, you know, just be, for fun. Be, be sensible, eat the meat, spit out the bones, and realize that this is not. Being this book, if you decide to read it, is not written by Christian authors. So use got, wisdom and discernment, but it does have some good principles. It's got a
2: lot coach. of humor in it, and she's been the, the author has been using this in workshops to help women for a long time and has seen a lot of good results. So,
1: Did, did you want to talk about Sam's inner healing thing quickly?
2: Oh, yeah. my The coach that I signed up with, um, Samantha Bennett of the Organized Artist Company. Um she sent through uh, an audio file for everyone to listen to and it's something she did a while back, a webinar recording. And I swear it was it was inner healing.
1: Repackaged.
2: Yes. It was totally inner healing. Um, you know you were you were taking all it was about it disappointment. Getting over disappointment, bouncing back from disappointment. And you're basically uh, taking all this, all these emotions, all these feelings, all these uh, grudges you're holding or whatever is going on, the need to hold on to it in the future, packaging it all up in a scrapbook and handing it over to a,
1: a wise
2: being. <laughs> <laughs> you're handing it over to a wise being and you're saying, here, you take this off of me. I don't want to carry this around anymore.
1: Which is exactly what I do in Inner Healing. Right. I ask people, tell me the emotion you're feeling. Okay. Give wise,
2: it. Wise, loving being.
1: Give it to this wise, loving Jesus. <laughs> 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 Let him take it away from you. Because, and then tell him you don't want it anymore. And it's really essentially the same thing.
2: Yeah. You so know, different It's name. just different words. I mean, and, you know, Christians will, will immediately see that it's Jesus or that it's God. You know, people who don't know Jesus... Uh, give, them, give them a replacement, you know, name for him <laughs> just so they can do it, you know, so they can turn it over. And then actually in that exercise, there were people, it was kind of a live webinar. So there were people who were participating in it and there were people who couldn't let go. They they came on afterwards. Some of them said it was a wonderful experience. I was able to let go of all this stuff and I feel so much better. And there were a few people who said I couldn't do it. I couldn't let it go, I started thinking, who would I be if I don't have this anymore? Um, right. And that's another whole issue where people kind of hold on to their junk because they don't know who they are without it. Right. But it was very interesting to see that... Now, I wouldn't call Samantha Bennett secular. She, she is definitely spiritual. is a spiritual person, and yet she doesn't... She tries not to... Um, Push anybody toward any one thing. So she's being very open about whatever your spiritual uh,
1: beliefs, are. beliefs
2: are. You can, you know, fit them into this. Yeah,
1: she's speaking to a very broad audience right. with a lot of different religious views.
2: And so uh, if it helps people, you know, I'm all for it. I think it, we need to start to see inside ourselves and uh, see what we're holding on to and let go of this Let stuff. it go.
0: Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.